As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford Berry. Hi, everybody. This is Jennifer Ford Berry with the 29 Minute Mom podcast. And we are back again for an amazing show ahead with the one and only Siggy Flicker. Siggy Flicker is a relationship expert matchmaker, television personality, and author of Write Your Own Fairy Tale, The New Rules for Dating, Relationships, and Finding Love on Your Terms. Siggy is also the mom of four children. She's married to Michael, lives in New Jersey, and is currently on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And Siggy just happens to be my favorite housewife of all time, which she doesn't know. But welcome, Siggy. Hi. <laughs> I, I want you to know that's like a pretty big honor because I've been watching all the housewives for years. <laughs> well, I don't know about Thank you so much. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I want to ask you the question, but it's your podcast. Like, why? Why me? You know why? Because you start out watching the show and you're like, okay, this woman rocks. She's like so herself. And then something during this season kind of takes, I don't know, like her authenticity away. And all of a sudden you can, you can kind of see the holes. And um, I think, you know, I, I always ask myself, what would I do? But I feel like as women, you kind of get sucked into the drama. And then it's like, come on, girl, rise above it. And I feel like you did such a fabulous job doing that. Oh, thank you so much. I, I don't think that anybody understands that this is one of the hardest things to film. A sh- to be, just to be on a show like this is so mind boggling that sometimes when you're in it, you're saying, I couldn't write this out if I tried to. Like no one would believe how real this is. And how crazy it is at times. And at the end of the day, we all do things for certain reasons. Everybody has their ulterior motives. I don't care what anybody says. But for me to have this platform, to be able to get that book out there in the hands of everybody, it's my pride and joy. And for me to be able to go and and, and lead by example, if anybody else is going through something similar in their lives and I was able to help them, it makes it all worthwhile for me. And it's... You do such a good job at that. I mean, just, I think the fact that you have so much experience as a relationship expert really is shown on the show in a a wonderful way because you're seeing how you as that expert relates to your girlfriend, you relating to your kids, you relating to your husband, you, you know, even relating to your business. So I just really think you've done a fantastic job and I hope, you know, we can continue to watch you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, listen, when you're on these shows being experts for the last seven years, you know, going from Dr. Phil to Wendy Williams to Fox News to CNN, wherever, you know, when you go for a job interview and you're sitting there, you have to be all professional. You have to sit there and you have to be an expert. What I love about Housewives of New Jersey is I don't have to be the expert. I could just show them through my actions. Because no one on the show came to me and said, hey, Siggy, I want your relationship advice. They just stick us in the water and say, start swimming. 
and we need to feel out the waters from the left to the right. Sometimes it's going to get wavy. Sometimes we're going to be drowning. Some, you know, it's just, you know, everybody's out on their own and you form certain bonds with certain people. I'm sure you know that my bond, my strongest bond is with, with Dolores and how we just came together and that friendship is so easy. And then me getting to know Teresa and, and Melissa really a little bit better and, you know, navigating through that and, you know, helping Jacqueline with everything that she was going through and just trying to be a good friend to her when I know how hard it was because her and Teresa's 15 year friendship was like falling apart at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know Dolores before you started the show? I knew Dolores, Kathy and Jacqueline before I started the show. Okay. Teresa was still away. So I did not know her. I met her on the show. The first time I met Teresa was when I met her at rails when um, um, we were planning Dolores's birthday party, we had met for the first time on the show. And um, Melissa, I knew before the show, but um, really, really friendly. Oh, sorry. Really, really friendly. I'm sorry. Um, really, really friendly with um, Jacqueline and Dolores and Kathy before the show. Yeah. Well, you and Dolores are adorable together, so... It's just so it, that's an that's a really cool friendship to watch too because there's no backstabbing going on. Not at all. I support her. She supports me. I only listen in in life. You walk a straight line. You're going to have people that you don't get along with. You're going to have people that you don't get along with. Not everybody's chemistry belongs together. But the best thing is, as I say to everybody, if you come, if you walk a straight line. I will be your biggest cheerleader. If you come at me sideways, I'm going to take you down sideways. And a lot of people are like, no, but you have to protect yourself because not, you know, to, to raise your kids and say, everybody in this world is great. And everybody in this world is going to love you. And everybody in this world is going to be good to you. That's setting them up for failure. So I teach them by example, if somebody comes at me sideways, I'm taking them down sideways. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think was the the biggest surprise? I mean, was the show harder or easier than you thought it would be? Uh, well, no. The girls, the girls, the, the hardest part about the show is is for me the production of the show, the the producers who are involved with the show. So they are not filming Little House on the Prairie. They <laughs> are. They want to see the drama, and so do the viewers. The viewers want it. They're not tuning in to see everybody picking daisies in the field. So you have to go with that saying, hey, I understand what they want. But we try to and, – and, and it's very important that where I was is I had to be – I had to keep it authentic, meaning I knew that they wanted problems, but I'm sorry. With certain people, I didn't have problems. And when I did have problems, I owned it. For mm-hmm. example, I think everybody thought that I would have a problem with Teresa. Why? You've got the big Jewish ego with the big Italian ego. Mm-hmm. Teresa Judice, hands down, is, for, to, in my opinion, the best housewife in history. I, I, I'm just telling you that that's Siggy Flicker's opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I just get a kick out of her because she is so authentic. She is so real. She does not think about anything before she speaks. And to me, it's endearing. I happen to love people like that. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, whatever it is. Listen, Teresa never claimed that she went to Harvard. She never claimed that, you know, she got a bachelor's degree in engineering. What I love about her is what you see is what you get. And to me, I have fun with her. So I laugh with her. We laugh together. 
So I think that, and I'm talking about production thought, hey, I think there, that there might be something with Siggy and Teresa. But as we went into our relationship, we were bonded and we, I, I, we fell in love. Like that friendship was, was awesome. Um, as I saw, you know, the friendship between Jacqueline and Teresa deteriorating, I was stuck in the middle. Like, what do you do when you really find out that you like somebody, but then the person who you're friends with, they just can't get it together. And a lot of the times you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly with what both of them are doing. So, you know, throughout the whole season, I was stuck in the middle and it really hit home. For some people, they're like, Siggy, why do you care so much? You know what? It's easy to say, why do you care so much when you're sitting in your home and you're watching TV and you're not really in it? But when you're in it and you really develop friendships and you really care, I can't help it. I'm a very emotional. I want to see everybody succeed. I like to have chips, salsa, and guacamole. I like for everybody to be happy. When somebody's going through something hard and they're suffering, I don't know why I take it and I can't fix it because I say to everybody. You could lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink the water if the horse is not thirsty. Mm -hmm. Jacqueline and Teresa, there's a 15-year friendship there and a bond. So imagine all the moms that are listening now. These kids had babies together. They, they, from the time that they gave, you know, birth to their babies in the hospital. I mean, these girls have been, they have memories. They've been together and they've had memories over the last 15 years. Just over the last three, four years, I think the friendship started to deteriorate a little bit, little problems here and there, and that's okay. Sometimes people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. With with these two girls, I do not think that they'll ever be friends again. I think that the relationship is broken, but to me, it was sad that I was there to witness the the end of of the Charisse and Jacqueline relationship. Yeah, that's always so hard to watch. And do you think, you know, a lot of times with women, it, and on the show, I like it, how they make the, like, you have that opportunity to sit down and face each other face to face and have an open conversation. But it seems like a lot of times in life, women in general, you know, don't like that confrontation. They don't want to sit down and look at their friend and say, this is how you hurt me, or this is why I'm upset. And unfortunately, they're not forced to do it. So sometimes relationships fall apart just because they're afraid, no, you know, you're absolutely, being authentic. Yes, you're absolutely like, so imagine you and I are, are, we get in a little bit of a tidbit and I call you up and I say, can we meet at the diner and let's just talk about it. And I'm so sorry. I said something and I'm ashamed of it and I'm, and we could hash it out. What happens on the housewives is so mind boggling. So I want everybody to imagine that you, when I film, we film for three to four months. When I'm filming my testimonials in my house, Jen, you don't see what I'm filming. Mm-hmm. Now filming is over and now you go on break and then the, the show starts to air. So you're watching what I'm saying about you and what you're saying about me behind your back on national TV. Yeah. It, 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 it intensifies everything. By the time they get us to reunion, there is so much vengeance. There, there is so much hurt there that it's not anymore a conversation of, hey, Last Tuesday, you didn't invite me to mommy and me, and I feel really bad. I mean, it, it doesn't even go like that. It's so deep, and it's and you know, with production, everybody gets paranoid and insecure. This whole thing is really it, it, it's 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 a tough process. 
but we all do it for different reasons. And, and for, for most of the people that I know and most of the housewives, you know, from other, from other states and other franchises, they do it for the platform. There's no better platform than being on a Bravo, uh, on Bravo and having a platform of a housewife. You've got 5 million people watching you every week. And if you have a message, it's being heard. If you have a charity, it's getting attention. If you have a book, it's being sold. It's yeah. simple. Yeah, it's amazing. I want to go on the show and be the organizer so we can talk about organizing all the time. <laughs> you, you know, did you see the, um, the, thing, the video of my house? Um, no. Oh, Jenna. You, I got to see it. No, no, no. You have no idea. So I have to invite you over because I, I'm so OCD that everything in my house is organized and has labels. So in the, if you go on Bravo or you just Google Siggy's house tour, I have a label machine that says mommy jeans. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Sophie Zoom, it says long shirts, tank tops, socks, underwear. Everything in the house is labeled. It is immaculate. I am the, oh, yeah. all about I'm it. taking a road trip, Siggy. I got to see this. You got to come. I'm not kidding. Anytime that you want to come call me and knock on my front door. This Girl, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I, you have to see, you've got to go after we, we get off the phone to the house tour because everybody yeah. went and bought this label machine for $22 at Staples. I, I label everything. And it's, it's so funny. Open up the drawer. And in the battery drawer, there's a pencil. <laughs> Somebody's getting in trouble. That's that's how OCD I am. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, um, I had my debut on Jersey Housewives this year when I was watching the show. And all of a sudden, when they were doing Teresa's book signing, uh, Rosie and Chris were having this long conversation in front of my books on the shelf organized now. And I'm like taking pictures of the television screen and sending it to my friends going, I finally got on the Jersey housewives. <laughs> but it you know, awesome. But you know how important it is to be organized. Like when I go to anybody's house, I'm like, I can't, it, it's, it's, it's when you're not organized, it's, it's, everything is a mess and you're yeah. everything. When you start to organize, it's really, really saying, I am serious about getting my life on track. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, to me, you're talking, we, we were meant to be together because mm -hmm. I'm a freak about that. Well, let's, let me talk about this with you, Siggy. So one of the things I really just admired about you is the way you are with your kids. And it's funny that you're saying if the pencil's out of place, somebody's going to get going to get in trouble because a lot of the moms that I work with, they have a really hard time making their kids, you know, do chores and be responsible for their belongings. And they kind of, I don't know what it is if they feel guilty, but I'm always telling them, listen, you're raising somebody's future spouse. You're raising somebody's future employee. These are things we have to teach our kids. Right. So can think, you talk about that? I think people are afraid to be tough. I always say to my kids at a young age, when the attitude starts with Sophie and Joshua, I say, guys, guys, hey, 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 I got a great idea. You want to get your own places? <laughs> mommy, mommy, we were only kidding. But I say to them, remember, you came out of my body. I didn't come out of yours. It's the Bible, respect your elders. I will not tolerate being disrespected. If you respect me, 
oh my God, I'm going to love on you for the rest of your life. And that's how I started with them from the age of five and up. It's like, listen, you don't talk back to mommy. Yesterday, Sophie came home and said, Hey mom, I, I, I want to go to, um, work out at the JCC right up to, you know, right up the street. And I said, Sophie, the roads are bad. She goes, yeah, me and my friends are going to Uber it. I said, you are not Ubering in a car at the age of 14. Mom, mom, I don't understand. Everybody else's mom lets them Uber. I said, Sophie, you're not getting in a stranger's car at the age of 14. The answer is no. She says, oh, I, 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 why do you have to be like that? I said, Sophie, just remember one thing. You came out of my body. I didn't come out of yours. They're my rules. Would you like me to get on the phone with all your friends? Like you can't back down. You have to stick it out. I call up one of the mothers. I said, hi, did you tell blah, 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 that they can get in an Uber and go to the JCC? She says, I never said that. I said, oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, you just have to be on top of it. And when they call you out, you have to come right back. It's, it's just like playing tennis, but you have to let them know because I can't have a relationship without respect. And if I, if I gave life to you and I, my life is dedicated to Sophie, Joshua, Tyler, and Olivia, even my stepchildren who didn't come out of my body, you will see me argue with them and you will see me because I am responsible for them financially, emotionally, and physically. If something happens to them, my life is over. So I take it, I take, I take being a mother as the most important job in the world. And for me, I see that Sophie at the age of 14 is a mini Siggy. She'll go to school and the other day, you know, somebody got, you know, their boyfriend broke up with them and I'm talking about ninth grade and she's like, don't worry, a man's rejection is God's protection. God protecting you. (laughs) She is amazing. But she doesn't even realize it. And, and two weeks ago, there was a party where some of the girls are experiencing with alcohol and it happens to all of us moms. Let's not pretend that it only happens to some of us. You know, you're in high school, you have parties, you're trying to, you know, and Sophie's like, comes home, tells me everything. Mom, I was the mother here. I told her you're just doing this for attention, whatever it is. And I'm not saying Sophie's perfect. Trust me, I have my challenges with Sophie. But um, I'm just saying that you want to be a parent where you want your children to come to you. But at the end of the day, you want them to respect you. And when I, when I say your rooms have to be clean, I'll walk into Joshua's room. I'll call Joshua in school. Hey, Joshua, I just went into your room. You left your towel on your bed and you left your, um, the papers were on the floor. I'm sorry, mom. Won't happen again. That's it. Now, do you really think that my day was ruined? No, but I just want to let them know, Hey, I, I I provided with you a beautiful room. Mm -hmm. I, I work my butt off for you. I would do anything. I would give you my kidneys, my left leg, my arm. I live and breathe for my children. But at the end of the day, if you know your mother likes to keep a clean, organized home, for everybody, it's different. For me, that's, that matters to me because I'm, I'm an extremely organized person. Other, you know, Everybody has their things that are important to them. Write them down on a piece of paper and have a meeting with your family and say, hey, this is what's important. Every Wednesday night, I'd like for all of us to sit together and have dinner or whatever it is. When we have dinner with my parents twice a month for kiddish, my kids are like, oh, when can I get out of here? I said, it's important to me. It's important to your grandparents. I do for you. You must do for me. Mm-hmm. And they get, they get it. I set, I put them in their place. When they get out of line, I check them right back into place. And guess what? It works. It works. I have a wonderful relationship with them. Wonderful. Yeah. And the thing is, is when you're a teenager, you might not think 
you want to sit with grandma and grandpa at the dinner table for two hours, but when you're an adult, you, you know, you cherish those memories. They don't get that. So it's something like, you know, that you have to almost, you know, make it that it's non-negotiable now and they will be thanking you later. I remember those dinners with my grandparents and man, wouldn't you give anything to go back to those dinners after you've grown up? Absolutely. I would give anything to go back to those dinners. And also after we have dinner, Sophie and Joshua come over to me and say, Hey mom, that was a nice evening. Kids want, when kids want structure, they Mm -hmm. want direction. They don't want a mom who is like, Hey, I'm your friend. So you don't have to do anything. And you know, you could disrespect me and you could walk all over me, but I love you and I'm going to be there for you. No, that's not good parenting. It might, that's just my opinion. Good parenting is, Hey, where are you? Why didn't you check in? Why does your room look like that? We're having dinner on Friday night. I don't care if the party starts at 10 o'clock, then you'll be there at 1030, quarter or 11. I'm sorry. You're going to have like, and they respect that. But I have to say, I know a lot of people get, have challenging, you know, to each their own. I, 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 I'm, I feel, I count my blessings. I have it very easy with my kids. But you've set it up that way too. You've you've yeah. you've not backed down, just like you said. I've also set it up like that with my ex husband. When right when Mark right. yeah when Mark and I got divorced, I said, Mark, listen, I am not going to spend days arguing with you. I'm not going to spend days fighting with you. You have the kids every other weekend. I'm just letting you know on the weekends that you don't that you cannot have the kids because you're traveling for work or whatever it is. They're my they're my flesh and blood. We're not fighting about it. Just call me and tell me that you're not gonna you're not gonna be. You know, you're not going to dig at me and I'm not going to dig at you. I wish you nothing but health and happiness and for you to find love, which you did. But I'm not going to go back and forth and argue with you. Here is what you owe me. I spent this amount of money for Sophie's volleyball. It it was $2,000 for the year. You owe me half of that. I I, I love you to death. I I don't have any time. I don't have any time to go through the back door, the side door. I go through the front door. I look at him in the eyes. I say what I have to say. And we have an unbelievable relationship because of that. And that's, isn't that the key to any relationship? The fact that you're, you're a straight shooter. You're just, you're not playing the game. No. The side game. I'm not playing the game. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people are doing. And that's what ruins the relationship. But a lot of people are doing it, not because they're not straight shooters. 99.9% 99.9% of the people who are listening to this podcast right now don't do it because they're afraid. Everybody lives in fear. So it's always good not to take the bandage off. Let me keep the bandaid on and I don't want to pop the, the pimple or look at the scar or see the pus coming out of the wound. Everybody's afraid of that. I'm saying once you pop that pimple and once you see the pus, then you can heal. Then it's drying up. But a lot of people are, you know, okay, I'll do it next week. They prolong it because people live in fear. I say, you have one time to do this dance. Live your life to the fullest. And in order for you to live your life to the fullest, you've got to free yourself of your fears. You've got to face your fears in the eyes and say, hey, I might fall flat on my face, but it's better than, you know, sitting behind the, the, the steering wheel shaking. I'm not going to shake. I'm going to look at you right in the face. And I'm going to tell you what I have to tell you. And then it's on you. It's not on me. I know so many people say, oh, I'm just going to try to keep the peace. I'm not going to say anything. Yet, at times you have to bite your tongue when, 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 in certain, you know, everybody has certain situations. I can't analyze every situation. But for me, no, I only have problems with people. If I have a problem with somebody, and you'll see this next season on The Housewives, if I have a problem with somebody, 
then you know that they're coming at me sideways and I'm not putting up with it. I won't put up with it. I'm, I'm too good and happy of a person to let somebody come at me sideways, regardless of who it is. I will look at you straight in the face, but I will always, always come to you first and say, hey, this is what's bothering me and this is what's frustrating me and I want something done about it. And when they try to give you, hey, but wait, give me another, no, 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 no. I want something about it now or I'm going to freak out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to talk about one of these comments that you made. They need to, you need to like start a like Siggyism book because, oh my God, some of the stuff you say just cracks me up so much. But <laughs> one of the things you said um, in a recent interview I heard, and my sisters and I used to say this to each other all the time. And it probably, you know, at first sounds mean because we love our husbands very much. But before we got married, we would all say this to each other. It's so funny that you say it. A man should love a woman a little more. Absolutely. A man should love a woman a little bit more. Listen, it's not saying that he should love you and you should not love him. The only way that a relationship truly works. Hold on. Hold on. Heather, I'm going to have to call you back. Got it. Bye. Um, the only way that I don't know how to turn off my phone. It's a brand new phone. I'm sorry, Jen. The only <laughs> way that a relationship truly works is when the man loves a woman a little bit more. It's harsh, but it's true. When your man thinks you're the first word and the last word in the dictionary, it makes everything easier because in it, by nature, men are hunters. And, you know, when, when you see women who are frustrated in their relationships, um, a lot of people try to make their relationships work. They try to, and they'll, they'll fib and they'll make up scenarios and they'll make up stories. But at the end of the day, if your man truly loves you, he's going to step up to the plate and he's going to bat for you. And that's the bottom line. And when a man truly loves a woman, the relationship really works. You have to love him back. You can't look at him and say, okay, he loves me more than I love him and I don't love him at all. There's got to be love there. I'm just talking about he's just got to love you an inkling more than you love him. Yeah, it's so true. I think that was hilarious when I heard right. Mark Flicker, my first husband, did not love me. He loves me till this day. People will say, Siggy, you're wrong. You and Mark were the mayor and mayoress of Boca Raton, Florida. You guys are funny. You guys were adorable together. We were always meant to be friends. Mark, when I walked into a restaurant and I would be talking to the busboy and the waiter and the cook and the chef and making everybody laugh, he would roll his eyes. He wasn't in love with that energy. He wanted me sort of to be like a Stepford wife. He wanted me to shut up and be calm and be quiet and just talk about my Birkin bag, which was so boring. I'd rather talk about my days waiting tables at TGI Fridays, I, I, even though I have 15. Who cares? I didn't even care. But the point was that he wasn't in love with the, he loved me because I was a good wife, a good mother. Uh, you know, I, I cleaned the house. Everything was great. He, he would say till this day, if you met him, I love Siggy. I loved her. I mean, I loved her as a wife and I love her as a person now. She's a great mother, but he was never in love with me. Now you get Michael. Oh, 10 years now of me living a fairy tale. Michael thinks I'm probably the quietest girl in the room. The first book, the first word in the dictionary, the last word in the encyclopedia. I cannot, even when I, whatever it is about me, he just laughs. He just says, Hey, sit, he cannot get enough of me. And now it's going on 10 years. It just works. The chemistry is just there. So, yeah, that's, it's so funny. And I'm thinking of all the people that, you know, 
we've been married 17 years and so many of our friends have gotten divorced along the way. And it's usually like the ones we thought were going to stay together didn't and vice versa. So now I have a lot of friends, you know, in their forties that are looking for the right relationship. So, you know, talk to those women that how are they going to do it right the second time? What should they look for? Well, the second time is even better than the first time. So first of all, if you're going through and you've been divorced and you're out there, say to yourself, congratulations. You went through it once. So imagine like um, getting into a new sport. Once you're used to it, you get really good at it. So you tried it and there are no guarantees that any relationship is going to work out. There's no handbook that says if you do A, B, and C, it's going to work out. So it didn't work out. But the second time around, huh? you have one thing to do is to be selfish. Know your worth, know your worth and put yourself first. So don't put everybody else, everybody says, oh, I do this for this and I do this for that and I don't understand why it's not working. No, know your worth and start putting yourself where they carry the fine jewelry. Get yourself off the clearance rack. You're not available (laughs) for everybody. You're not, no, you are now in a new spot where you are loving yourself first. May the best person win. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to turn this off. Um. You should have a side button. I, I, the side button is pressed down. Huh. Uh-huh. You turn the volume down? Let me turn the volume down. I'm so sorry. Here, I'm going to turn. Okay, now I have it. Okay. Now I turn the volume down. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> You're a busy lady, Siggy. you got a lot going on. We know. So much going on, but it's all good. But getting back to that, knowing your worth and living your life to the fullest. The goal is not to find love. A relationship doesn't define you. The goal is to be happy. End of story. That's it. Yep. Don't, Absolutely. don't you agree with me? Oh my gosh. It's so true. And I feel like I've had this, you know, I've talked to so many friends of mine over the years that are, they what they do is they put their own wishes us, you know, they have a good list, but then when the relationship starts, they start, you know, kind of saying, well, I can settle for this and I can settle for that. Next thing you know, they're turning into, they're being a chameleon. They're being more like the, the guy than themselves. And then they get into the relationship, they get married, you know, a few years down the road, they're tired of being a chameleon. They want to shed their skin and be themselves. And then the husband is like, who is this woman? Right. And it's like, whose fault is that? It's not his fault. It's yours. Well, listen, a lot of women feel the pressure and I don't, they play games in the beginning. And I'm telling you that because I played the game. When I met Mark Flicker, I did not think that he was the lid to my pot. I didn't. I'm admitting it. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, we have some issues. And he really, I knew in my heart, because I'm very smart, my IQ is very high. I knew he wasn't really in love with the essence of who I was. And you know what? My biological clock was ticking. I wanted to be married. I was getting pressure from my mom and dad. And I'm admitting to you and everybody else out there, I walked down the aisle. I had my my doubts. But you know what? I would do it all over again because my sole purpose at the time was to be a mother. And I gave birth to Sophie and Joshua. And I had eight fabulous years. I mean, being a mother with this man living in Boca Raton, I would do it all over again. But the second time around, it's like, hey, I had my children. 
My biological clock is gone. I had a hysterectomy. There is no uterus. <laughs> There's no more children. <laughs> Guess what? It's all about me and getting it right in the love department. And I will never, ever, ever settle for less than the best again. And I wasn't like that the first time around. And I don't, I don't blame anybody else who's in the same situation. What happens is, is that sometimes we need to get married because society says, are you single? Why are you single? They don't understand that sometimes being single is the best thing for you at that moment. But everybody's like defines you by your relationship. So a lot of people hurry to get married, to be in miserable relationships or to be in so-so relationships. You have your children and you live and then all of a sudden, eight years later, the children are grown or the children are, are self, you know, they could self-support themselves or do what they have to do. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, what about me? Because you lost yourself in that marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. And that's why I say the second time around is the best. Yeah. So what do, what's your, you know, best tips for those women that are married and they're, they're starting to, you know, lose that spark and lose themselves in their, in their marriage and they want to just kind of yeah. ignite the spark? Well, the first thing that I would recommend is don't go running out the door. The first right. thing that you should do is go to a therapist, a marriage, a relationship coach in your town and say, and, and, and the reason why I say this is when you say something to your, to your husband, it's going to sound harsh. Whenever you have a third party there, it sounds easier. So I don't like hurting people's feelings. I could talk to you and be tough right now on, on, on this podcast because it's easy. But if somebody was in front of my face, you'd see me back down a little bit, not because I'm scared of them. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So when you're sitting in front of a therapist and you say, Hey, you know what? I've been married to Bill for 12 years now. And I'm kind of feeling like, I don't know, I've lost myself in the marriage and I don't really know if we've got that love and feeling anymore. And I'm, 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 I'm starting to feel a lot of things. And before I look at Bill and Bill, I'm sorry, I don't want to shut the door on our, our marriage or things like that, but something's got to give, something's got to change for us to move forward because I can't live my life when I feel dead on the inside. That's how I would approach it. Not walking out the door. First, you open up because a lot of people who have done what I'm telling you and your audience to do right now, it has saved their marriage. It has saved their marriage because then once you're going through the process and then Bill says, Hey, I never even knew that about you. So what is it that you want to do? You want to have it. So you start an activity together. And now that this, the two that I have in my mind are golfing together and by golfing together, doing activities together that she enjoys as much as him, or maybe she enjoys just a little bit more. It's making her feel significant in the relationship and it's helped them in their relationship. Other times you'll go to the table and you'll have a third person there, uh, a professional and your, your, the partner will say, well, really, I don't really care. I'm not interested in that. And I've lost that loving feeling too. So if you've lost that loving feeling and I've lost that loving feeling and you don't want to work at it and I surely don't want to work on it. Hey, then it's time to go our separate ways. But I always say fight in the beginning. When I was, when I came to Mark and said, Mark, listen, you and I live separate lives. I want a divorce. We tried. He's like, Siggy, listen, I love you. You're a great mom. What is it that I could do for you? I said, I cannot ask you to love the essence of who I am. I am not comfortable in a country club having chopped salads all day long. And I worked full time. I was a decorator and a relationship coach. And I did over 5,000 homes in, in, in South Florida. So I, it wasn't like I was sitting down doing nothing, but I wasn't getting that love from my husband that I needed. I wasn't getting the, 
something behind his eyes, the rolling of the eyes. It, and then when I was trying to like be quiet and classy, it wasn't working because I don't want to be quiet and classy. That's not my goal in life. So <laughs> as, as we talked about it in front of a professional, we both realized, oh my God, Mark, I love you and you love me. We were meant to be friends. We could high five each other all night. We could, we, we, we have two of the most gorgeous kids in the world. I will always be your friend. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be your matchmaker and match you on a couple of dates. I, I want you to be happy. I just don't want to be with you in this marriage anymore. And that's when we went our separate ways and we stayed friends. Yeah, that's a great example too. And I'm sure your kids appreciate that. Yes. My kids appreciate it because, you know, when Mark is here for Thanksgiving and Passover and holidays, it's, a, it's, everybody's used to it. I mean, for other people looking in and seeing it, it might be weird, but for us, it's very, very normal. Right. Right. Well, I know we got to wrap this up, Siggy. I know you have a great, um, exciting night ahead too. And so let, I want to tell everybody again, the name of your new book is Write Your Own Fairy Tale. And, um, tell us when the housewives start again. It's the, well, we start filming March 1st and you, it's probably going to air in August of this summer. We have four months. We have four hard months in front of us. Okay. And will you come back on and give us the scoop after? Absolutely. Anytime. Yay. You want. yay, yay, yay. Well, I just got to say, you know what? You're so, you're such an inspiration to me and to so many other moms. So just keep being you, keep it real. We, I love the authenticity. I love, um, just all your insight and I just like you own yourself and that's really refreshing. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day and, um, stay warm, stay warm out there. (laughs) I know I need all the warmth I can get up here. (laughs) I know. Thanks everybody for listening. This is another episode of the 29 minute mom podcast where we know that every